So today we're going to be chatting to our naturopath and PAT practitioner, Stephen, um, about a treatment that we, a lesser known treatment that we do actually quite often at the clinic, but has been gaining a lot more attention since um, a book by Dr. Gundry has come out called The Plant Paradox, talking all about lectins and how they're involved in inflammatory diseases and also how they're um, related to weight loss diet and blood type diet and a whole sort of different field of that. Um, so Stephen, do you mind just starting off with what are lectins actually? Yeah, no worries, Jess. So lectins are basically a family of proteins. Uh, if you imagine lectins, they're a sticky kind of protein. And what they do is they bind to carbohydrates mm -hmm. or sugars in the body. So these sticky proteins, these lectins, when we eat them, they try and stick to particular sugar molecules in the body. Mm. And so these sticky lectin proteins, they're basically found in all plant foods to yeah. some degree, but especially seeds, legumes, and grains. Okay. And so plants basically produce lectins naturally as a response to their environment. So with plants in their environment, it is this defense mechanism to protect themselves against insects and other herbivores, uh, which is quite similar to salicylates, actually. Yeah. It's a defense mechanism. Mm -hmm. um, so these chemicals aren't bad. Um, they naturally occur in plants due to their environment. Mm -hmm. And lectins are also, interestingly, how plants and animals communicate with mm. each other, which is fascinating. Yeah. So some plant lectins are known to be seriously toxic. So, for mm. example, in the case of a poison called ricin, mm -hmm. which is found in the castor oil bean. Yeah. So a lot of people use castor oil topically, but I would not ingest it. Nice. Um, but the lectins found in plant foods are not considered that seriously toxic. However, it does appear that lectins in all these plant foods may be an issue for a large variety of people who mm. experience digestive issues. Yep. And basically any health conditions or issues that relate to chronic inflammation. Yep. So and that often goes hand in hand, having gut issues and inflammation issues, right? Definitely. Yeah. Yep. Yep. With the whole leaky gut connection. Yeah. But so anything related to inflammation, including weight loss, which mm. is why this has attracted yeah. so many people who are struggling to lose weight, even though they seem to be doing everything right. Yeah. And a lot of people seem to be getting result and results in dealing with lectins and then losing a lot of weight. Mm. So anything related to inflammation, whether it's mm -hmm. obesity and trouble losing weight, arthritis and any kind of pain, uh, eczema and psoriasis, irritable bowel syndrome, inflammatory bowel disease, the whole gamut of autoimmune diseases. Yes, there's all that connection <clears throat> to inflammation, yeah. Yeah, and so it's kind of because in very large amounts, the lectins may reduce our ability to absorb nutrients properly yep. and also perpetuate and drive issues with leaky gut or intestinal hyperpermeability. Mm. Okay, yeah. so what do lectins have to do with leaky gut? Well, because lectins, among other things, so like I was saying before, they're these sticky yep. proteins that bind to sugar molecules. Mm. So these sticky proteins bind to sugar molecules on the lining of our gut. Okay. So we have the lining of our gut wall, which is where we selectively should absorb nutrients from our food yep. that gets broken down. On the other side of this wall of our intestines is where our immune system sits. Mm. So about 65% of the wall, the immune cells in our body are congregated on the wall of the intestine with along with a huge collection of nerves and neurons. Mm. And so these immune cells and nerves form, if you will think of it this way, like our border patrol. Yeah. 
So this border patrol of the immune cells behind the gut wall, they're constantly monitoring what's at the border, constantly looking for these foreign proteins. Yeah which are coming at them. So in here we'll include lectins, which we don't recognise as self. Mm. So these receptors at the lining of the gut wall, if they see an unfamiliar looking protein, which is what can happen with these lectins, mm. they send out, you know, like literally air raid uh, sirens. Yeah. So the inflammatory chemicals that alert our body and our immune system that it's being invaded. Yeah. And so this is actually what starts inflammation. Mm. And so when you eat certain plants, their lectins enter the intestinal tract where they attach to cells and they create this zonulin protein. Mm -hmm. So the thing is the wall around your small intestine, it's only one cell thick. Yeah, it's amazing. It's yeah. very delicate mm. and it needs to be that thin to let the nutrients in. And it can usually, it should be able to hold everything together well. But when the zonulin creates small holes in the wall, if it's been repeatedly triggered by proteins such as lectins, yeah. then the unwanted molecules begin leaking into the intestines where they shouldn't be. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like your blood and your soft tissues in the brain. Mm. So in short, these lectins kind of confuse our immune system and they make the body attack itself. Yeah. Mm. So why do we think that lectins have become more of a problem in recent times? Yeah, well, it's mm. interesting because it seems to only be a recent issue yeah. that people are apparently reacting to this variety of plant foods which we've been told should be quite healthy for yeah. everyone. So Dr. Gundry, who wrote this book you mentioned, The mm. Plant Paradox, he puts forward the case about lectins driving a lot of inflammatory diseases. The book is a great resource for anyone mm. wanting to look deeper into lectins. Yeah. But he basically puts forward the argument that for five to eight million years, the earliest human ancestors ate whatever they could find, forage or hunt food. Yeah. And so, you know, foods like roots and tubers, nuts, fruit and veggies, fish, animal, different animals, mm. leaves, you know, whatever they could find, whatever time of the season it was. Yeah. Is that what the paleo diet is also sort of theory based on? Well, yeah, yeah. Essentially we should be going back and eating more similar to how our ancestors okay. ate, mm -hmm. um, you know, before the, just agricultural. the agricultural mm. revolution, basically. Mm. So, you know, 10,000 years ago, the agricultural revolution happened. Yes. And we realised that when you put food and seeds into the ground, you could grow a lot more food in mm. a few months. And mm. so this revolution caused huge changes for human diet and lifestyle and cultures. We began to start eating very differently. Yeah. And preparing our food, our food is being created in a different way. Yeah. And so grains and beans became a primary part of our diets for mm. the first time ever. And he kind of questions, well, was this a positive change? Mm. In many ways it was, yeah. rather than needing to go out and hunt food every day, <laughs> you could reliably grow massive amounts of food and, you know, get on with modern life. Yeah. But more importantly, we could store it for future use yeah. and, you know, provide security during winters and droughts and whatever. But it potentially true that eating a large amount of these foods in such a short period of time, which our gut microbiome and immune systems are not used mm. to, has pushed the threshold of what we can handle and has perpetuated the issues of leaky gut yeah. that we were discussing before. Mm. Basically that our body hasn't changed. We haven't adapted, yeah, haven't adapted fast, fast enough, enough to this changing to diet. To rapid amounts of changes to the types yeah. of food and also how we are growing our food. Yeah. 
Um, so he also argues that around 500 years ago, European people reached North America by ship for the first time mm-hmm. in this new world. Europeans found thousands of new plants and animal species. Mm. And again, they radically transformed their diets. Yeah. So, you know, for example, we usually think of tomatoes as Italian and potatoes as mm-hmm. Irish, <laughs> but both of these foods only arrived 500 years ago. Mm, Even wow. corn was never touched by a European then before then. Yeah. So what does that mean? Well, the first thing to understand is that evolution is like we were kind of touching yeah. before, evolution is a slow process. Yeah. So for an animal to truly adapt to digesting a food, it can take millions of years. Mm. So 500 years is a blink of an eye. Yeah. This means every day we're eating new and unfamiliar plants that contain lectins and our bodies are unprepared uh, perhaps to process yeah. this amount. Mm. So if this is happening, then why haven't humans noticed it before? Yeah. Well, you know... For example, in the wild, an animal that feels unwell after eating a plant will naturally just not eat it. Yeah. But modern humans are not as savvy. <laughs> uh, you know, if it's we true, eat something yeah. doesn't agree with this, we might ignore it and keep doing it. Yeah. Or we might take Nexium to reduce stomach acid <laughs> or pop a pill to reduce pain That's so we can true. continue to eat foods, yeah. you know, that are not helping us. Yeah. Particularly with the confused message of, yes. oh, but these foods are healthy. Must be good. They are healthy. Yeah. Um, mm. there, there are reasons why you know, people yeah. become lectin intolerant, so yeah. to speak. Makes so, sense. Yeah, yeah, it's another situation of, for most people we meet here, I'm doing everything right and yeah. I'm smashing the fruit mm-hmm. and veg, but I still feel uh, yeah. really bad. In fact, some people are like, I feel worse. Yeah, that's true. On it's a another diet. typical yeah. food chemical scenario. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And so what's the connection between lectins and the blood type diet? Yeah, this is really fascinating. Mm. Uh, so believe it or not, Lectins have been known since about the 1800s. Oh, wow. yeah. uh, Gundry has just made it a bit more well-known <laughs> in recent times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In fact, if you've ever been told your blood type, you were told your blood type by using lectins to figure out oh, really? what it is. Yeah. So some of the older research that first identified lectins as a problem is only from 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, 20 years or so ago by the famous um, blood type diet. Yeah. That's a whole other uh, by sort Peter of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so what Dr. Gundry points out um, is that uh, Dadamo's blood type diet was essentially actually a lectin avoidance yeah. diet. And Dadamo decided that rather than tell you to avoid lectins, which Gundry tells us to do, um, he basically tells you to avoid um, certain lectins indirectly based on avoiding foods that don't suit your blood type. Wow, so it. the reason that the blood type diet became so popular mm. is number one, it was a lectin avoidance diet, yep. but also, you know, 60% of people <laughs> are typo. <Yeah. laughs> so most people do better on animal protein and meats in the diet yep. and removing a lot of lectins worked for them very well. Yeah. So that was this kind of self-fulfilling prophecy yeah. and it's sold a wildfire yeah. <laughs> because people followed it yeah. and noticed they felt better. Mm. Um, and so basically, you know, what is the kind of the scientific connection? Yeah. So a chemical reaction occurs between our blood when we eat food. Yeah. This, the reaction we all, the unique reaction we all have with the food we eat and our blood is part mm. of our genetics. Mm-hmm and our genetic inheritance. So it's amazing but true that today in the 21st century that our immune and digestive symptoms 
do maintain favoritism for foods based on our blood type, based on what our ancestors mm. ate. It's fascinating, yeah. Yeah. Mm. So lectins have uh, agglutinating properties. Mm. So agglutinating means the clumping or clumping of particles that stick together. Yeah. So particularly our blood cells. So mm. lectins have uh, properties that affect uh, the clumping of blood cells together in our body mm. that particularly affect the lining of the digestive tract. Yeah. And so when you eat a food containing particular lectins that are incompatible with your blood type, the lectins then target an organ or wow. a body system like the gut, the liver, the stomach, and, you know, clump blood cells issues, together yeah. or drive issues of particular tissue areas wow. in the body. So this clumping, you know, can this is why lectins and how they clump blood cells can drive irritable bowel syndrome, yeah. in the intestines, cirrhosis in the liver, um, hair blood flow through the kidneys wow. and a range of issues. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah so that is the, mm. I uh, only recently learned of the mm. blood type connection. So that's really yeah, fascinating. Yeah. Mm. Um, so what kind of foods are we looking at? Like what, what has the highest amount of lectins in it? Yeah, so gluten is probably the most well-known lectin, mm. the best example. Uh, again, probably another reason why People might not have celiacs, mm. but swear that gluten really knocks them around. Yeah. Um, but gluten's just really the tip of the iceberg when it comes to lectins. Red, red kidney beans are notoriously high, as mm -hmm. are soybeans, wheat, peanuts are very high, um, tomatoes, particularly um, in a lot of traditional Italian cooking, this is why they actually get rid of the seeds in the tomato. Oh, I've heard the of seeds that before, yeah. really ramp up uh, lectins. Wow. Uh, potatoes and other nightshades mm -hmm. such as eggplant. Um, other than kidney beans, which are super high, all legumes yep. are very high generally. So mm -hmm. all kind of lentils, beans and chickpeas. Yeah. Um, they're the big ones. So mm -hmm. all plants have lectins, but these ones are the huge. The highest um, content. Highest. Mm. And just kind of grains and legumes yep. in general. Mm -hmm. Again, when you mentioned was this why paleo is so mm. popular? Well, yeah, there is kind it's of a link with these foods, well. people mm. not being able to deal with the high amount of food chemicals yep. naturally present mm. due to an underlying gut issue. Yeah. Yeah, the argument we haven't evolved to deal with all this, these newer yeah. kind of foods. Which can lead to weight loss once yeah. you reduce that inflammation. And it's also mm. why people out there are also doing really well, well, physically in the mm. shorter term, feeling well on a carnivore diet. Yeah. So they're purely eating meat and yeah. they feel amazing. Yeah. Well, relatively can, amazing yeah, for it. Yeah, but can you do um, that long term? Not exactly. Yeah. 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 So, what kind of signs do you need to look for when it, uh, if there's a potential reaction to lectins? Yeah. So the really obvious one are gut issues. Yeah. So bloating, alternating bowels, a lot of gas, cramping. Yeah. Um, but especially if you have you know an underlying gut issue. Um, but there's also other inflammatory symptoms going on. So you're constantly aching in the mm. joints and muscles, a lot of fogginess. Which is a very common nightshade reaction. Yeah. As a side note. Yeah. yeah. Inflammatory skin issues, fatigue, you're not losing weight, mm. struggling to lose weight despite doing everything right. Inflammatory hormonal issues. Yeah. They're kind of the big ones. Yes, yeah, big ones to look out for. Yeah. Mm. But mm. like you said, it can sort of tie into any inflammatory conditions. So it's always yeah. going to be a part of eczema and psoriasis, yes. um, autoimmune stuff. So any autoimmune yeah. condition. And yeah. like similar like uh, when I work clinically with anyone with autoimmunity. Yeah. Or 
inflammatory arthritic issues, yeah. they may not actually have gut symptoms mm, at all. That's true. Yeah. But when we treat the gut and mm. look a bit deeper into food issues and uh, leaky gut, yeah. they do have those underlying causes despite not having gut symptoms. So you could still have uh, issues with lectins, mm -hmm. particularly if you have an inflammatory issue, but not necessarily have an obvious gut problem. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. So when it kind of comes to managing if you are sort of reacting to lectins or something, is there any other option apart from just cutting it out? Like what can you do? Yeah, so it all really comes down to how you prepare certain foods. Mm -hmm. um, because, for example, with beans and legumes and grains, if they're purely raw, mm. they're going to have really high amounts of lectins. Mm -hmm. So one of the best ways, like which most, most people do when they're, working with dried legumes mm. is they soak them for quite a long time. Yeah, so well, I guess you're not eating them raw yet. <laughs> no, like, and, you know, if you do, mm. you'll get ruined by lectins. <laughs> so soaking and boiling beans and mm. legumes significantly reduce lectin content. Yeah. They break it down. Mm -hmm. um, one of the best ways to actually prepare foods that contain lectins is a pressure cooker, mm. interestingly. Mm. The pressure cooking significantly reduces lectins. Um, except for gluten, interestingly. Mm. So the best way to reduce the gluten uh, in foods, say particularly bread or wheat, is to slowly ferment it. So a slowly mm. fermented sourdough. Mm -hmm. um, much, a lot of people feel better on, better yeah. on sourdough because mm -hmm. it's fermented. There's not as much lectin and gluten content. Yeah. Uh, sprouting grains as well mm -hmm. and soaking them overnight can help reduce lectin content. This mm -hmm. is why you know, activated almonds yeah. and soaking yeah. and rehydrating. It's kind of removing all these mm. uh, food, naturally occurring food chemicals that can, uh, trigger. can trigger people's yeah. issues. Yeah. So, you know, other than the soaking, sprouting, fermenting, pressure cooking, you know, it may make sense for some people to take a trial and error approach mm. and see if they feel better um, by removing a lot of the lectin foods yeah. and not others. Um, but it's tricky because lectins are very high in a lot of foods. Mm. It's similar to when and we're good foods as well. Like, yeah. yeah. So it's similar to when we're dealing with people who uh, have intolerances to salicylates, histamine, amines. Yeah. You know, it's you know near impossible for mm. people to really avoid these long, long term, term enough yeah. to notice changes. Mm. And many of the foods on this plan are high in fibre, yeah. which is important for gut health. You've got to make sure you're getting enough fruit and veg um, or take a fibre supplement or something. Yeah. But so essentially that's why we're getting hit up quite regularly mm. um, for lectin treatments. Yeah. Or, and we are more and more prioritising lectin treatments mm. as it is coming back for a lot of people. Yeah. Particularly people coming in, not only with the gut issues, obviously, mm. but the more insidious chronic inflammatory issues yeah. people have as well, like yeah. the arthritis and the um, sluggish weight loss and anything related to autoimmunity, yeah. which we have a lot of clients struggling yes. with autoimmune conditions. Definitely. We do mm. prioritise lectins. Mm. Yeah. And so essentially the whole point of the lectins treatment we do here mm. is so that their immune system can handle lectins yep. coming into the body and yep. reduce the load off the gut. Yeah. And they don't have to worry about avoiding them. Yeah. So that's yeah. just a huge relief. And I guess on a side um, note as well, by like it's very rare for these reactions to exist on their own. So if someone totally. is reacting to lectins, it is very likely that you maybe experience other reactions to the other food chemicals or those other big food groups. So by True. doing our treatments for that as well, it's going to help take the load off 
like the inflammatory load off as well as the leaky gut load off in general as well. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And the Um, testing mm, is so important mm, because on on the flip side, I've had mm, people coming and swearing they've interacted to lectins, but it was actually something else. And we wouldn't have known that without testing. So, you know, tests don't get us. Yeah. Yeah. So to give anyone a rundown who isn't familiar with our treatments, um, we do use a form of muscle testing or kinesiology to see what it is that you're reacting to. So we test through all these food chemicals, including lectins, salicylates, amines, etc., as well as the big food groups to see what it is that you're actually reacting to. And then our treatment involves using an acupressure um, tool to stimulate acupressure points down either side of the spine while you're holding onto a sample vial of the lectins, for example. So basically this helps to retrain your body to no longer have that negative reaction to the substance to try and reduce the symptoms. So we work with a lot of people who have eczema, psoriasis and other sort of inflammatory conditions who do respond really well to our treatment. So if this is something that you are struggling with and um, think that we may be able to help, um, you can go through our website, um, which is naturalallergytreatment.com.au. We have clinics around Australia as well as one in Auckland, New Zealand. Um, And you can also contact us on 1300 853 023 or if you're in New Zealand, the number is 09-479-5997. So if you do have any questions or suspect this might be something for you, get in touch. All right. Thanks, Stephen. Thanks, Jess.